This is a Real Grande Guardian International News Service report on the environment. So with that, I will stop. I know there are questions. And so I'm happy to take questions, comments, and even complaints. <laughs> what do we have for questions? There we go. I think you already answered this question, but I'm not going to ask Yes, sir. How did you assess the current economic climate in Texas considered the global and national events? Yeah, you know, the fact, the fact is our economic indicators that, that we're looking at, Texas, one, is growing as a population. We're a more youthful population. We have more businesses relocated, the gov whether it's called the Governor's Cup, major, major projects that are coming to Texas, small businesses. You know, one of the things I tell my staff all the time that, that we see all these different indicators that we're looking at, the growth that separates Texas growth from some of the other states or even other countries around the world. But one of the things that, that I really struggle to wrap my arms around, and something that I wish we could quantify, because too unfortunately, often we talk in these are important sectors, or whether they're the big businesses, the middle-sized businesses, but the fact is, do you know what the economic backbone of every economy is? Small business. And it's hard to quantify. What are the small businesses? But my point in saying that, the one data point that I wish I could quantify more than anything else, which I think is what drives your local change, it's what drives a local community and what drives ingenuity, creativity as small businesses is so hard for us to quantify. But it's that can-do spirit. You know, whether it's years ago or today, I've got a lot of hope and faith. Technology, we talk a lot about, you know, whether it's augmented intelligence, all these new things. But really it's the creativity and the ingenuity and will of small businesses, in my opinion, that makes a huge difference. We have another question right over here. Yes. Um, good afternoon, Anna O'Quinn. I'm a local business owner here. Um, McDonald's franchisee, so yes, it's a, a small business, so thank you. And I just want to say thank you for all that you did, all that our leaders uh, uh, did during the last couple of years to make Texas yes. and help the small businesses and help Texas be great. And we look forward to all of the work that is being done and continue to do to keep Texas booming as we are now. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. Andrea Benton with Next Decade. Um, so our question is, in the face of technological advancements and changing industries, how do you envision Texas adapting to ensure sustained economic uh, prosperity? Yeah, I think the most important thing for us to achieve economic prosperity, and you know, as, as an elected official, you're always trying to, you want to have people's attention, but the fact is the things that I deal with as the CFO of the state of Texas are not the glamorous things, they're not the headline things, but things that really have to be done as a state. And one of the things that I started focusing on when I got in this role are what are the things that can impact our credit rating in the state? What are the nuts and bolts as a CFO of looking at your balance sheet? What are those weaknesses? What are the things that we have to tackle in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years, not just this one year here ahead of us? And, and I think we've tackled a lot of those, but I think the fact is to keep the economic engine going, the one word that sums it up over and over is back to infrastructure. We have to have quality education and meet the education needs of businesses, 
of what those needs are going to be. But sometimes that's challenging because even a business may not know exactly what skill set do they need in two to three years. And I think that constant dialogue is important to make sure that we're evolving with that. But the one thing that is a bedrock, and I think the bedrock that causes any great society, any great economy over the history of time, the one that causes it to go down, goes back to that word called infrastructure. It's not glamorous, it's not sexy, it's not something that gets people's attention, but it is the bedrock of economic opportunity. It's called roads. It's called water. The first thing in the morning, what do you typically do? You turn on a water faucet and you take it for granted. You want to make sure the lights come on, electrical infrastructure. So that infrastructure, that is the one word in my opinion you have to have no matter what. And with that, I always as a side note, you got to have the quality education. And we have the youthful workforce, but we got to make sure that we are changing and adapting with time to give them that skill set which I think is challenging so often to do it. But that, that's what I would sum up as. Good afternoon. Dr. Rodriguez, President of Texas Southwest College. First and foremost, thank you for your leadership. You placed the state of Texas in a wonderful position to allow us to do the transformational change for the funding of community college. Yes. So thank you for that. Yeah. Question that I have for you is, how does Texas compare to other states in terms of economic indicators but what areas do you believe Texas can improve on? Yeah, I think what we can improve on more than anything else, I, I, the, one of the things that worries me more than anything else, two of the things that, that, that hit up on my radar, is how are we going to make sure that we have enough readily dispatchable electrical generation for those peak hot 10 days in the summer, that two, three winter days, like when we have to have it. That's one because we are growing as a state, outpacing most of the nation in the world. So we're growing, the needs are here, we have electricity use of everything. Most regions of the nation, you would be shocked to know that in fact their electrical needs, even though they're using more than ever before, actually are staying flat. They're not growing in need from year to year. Texas typically goes three to four percent a year. This year compared to last year, I say this year, I mean last summer, 2023 compared to 22 summer, we actually grew 7, 8% off the charts. So we have to meet that need if we're gonna to continue to grow economically. That's number one. And then second, Mayor and I were talking about this earlier when we were visiting, the one that worries me, you know, I made this comment many years ago, I was at a, uh, an event with, uh, at the time, the Secretary of State of California, now U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, and uh, we were supposed to be doing this kind of one-on-one, Texas versus California. You know, and every once in a while, I like to quip in my speeches about California. I mean, come on, you wouldn't be Texan if you didn't, right? And I made the comment, because the, the, the moderator asked about economic development of Texas versus California, and I said, you know, I, I just wish we could reframe the question that it's not really the question of Texas and California of the year, pretend it was 2020, 2019, whatever the, the year was, okay, a few years ago. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you really need to compare Texas of 2024 to California of 1984. And it was interesting because nobody really got that. But people that are moving from California to Texas, I've made that comment, and you should see their facial expression because they lived at those years of the boom. 
My point is, those are the years of the boom of their economy. Now is the years of our boom, of our economy. And the one thing that if you look at who, why are people moving from California more than anything else, it's called housing and affordability. And that's the thing that worries me 10, 15, 20 years from now. And, and it's a real issue today, but I think it's really going to be multiplied if we don't focus on that issue. And it's going to be partnerships locally and state and businesses it takes a lot of us to solve that problem. It's not just the mayor and the city's issue. It's not just Glenn Hayer and the state's issue. It's all of us. And let me just say thank you for what you do at the community college. That was one of my tours, and you know why? Because half the kids in higher education are going through where? Community college. I'm a little biased, and you go, why is that? Because I'm a product of community college. So thank you for what you do. Hi, Comptroller Hager. It is good to see you. It's nice to see you too. Veronica Gonzalez, UTRGV, and we served in the legislature together, so I've known him for a while. And good to see you again. Thank you so much for bringing up the point about a good education. And I think it, a good education is what's helping us also to become the eighth largest economy in the That's world. Right. But I wanted to, to know and you could tell the audience about other measures that are being taken to, um, to to cure the income inequality that we still see throughout the state of Texas? Yeah, I think that's, that is a great question. And, you know, that issue is not just whether you say, oh, one part of the state or the other. That's across the state of Texas. And that's one of the reasons I, I mentioned the housing thing that really worries me. Um, this morning, as I drove from, from West Houston, I was in, in Houston last night um, and, and, and drove across to catch an airplane. I, I took the state plane southwest. Um, down here today, and uh, I, my wife, I texted her, I said, I'm here, I'm about to board, and by the way, I'm so glad I don't have to do this traffic every day. And when I say that, my point is this, from an affordability standpoint, there's so many folks that have to live further out, I have those employees in state government, they can't afford to live downtown in Travis County, they have to live, so how, you know, that, that is an issue that we have to address, education, I mean, in my opinion, the it was shocking to me years ago when I was in the legislature, we were dealing with um, public education finance. And I, I, we actually was in, when I first got in this role, I wanted to do a report on it. And I was literally stunned and I was a little bit embarrassed, to be honest with you, that we moved to a majority public education citizenry, the population in the public education system in 2002 is when we became an economically disadvantaged majority in the public education system. I had served in legislature several years and I did not appreciate that fact. And so I say that because when my kids moved back to my house for public education compared to the school, we were able to continue their education. But you know how many kids in the system across the state could not? One of those gaps is how do we close the broadband economic opportunities which we're focusing on and uh, we're trying to deal with that issue because it's not just about access it's about affordability and so i think whether that that's one small piece there's no one piece that will solve it all but i do think if you want to eliminate that economic disadvantage for generations within communities and families it's making sure they have economic opportunities in the future and a lot of that is what education and we can break some of those barriers down as we are now with connecting the state of texas and the internet because i firmly believe that is the highway system of this century 
But with that being said, we have to watch out. Because I don't know about you, any of you as parents, when I gave one of these to uh, my oldest daughter finally, as a teenager, yes, and do pray for me, because I have three teenagers, and yes, they are driving, so if you drive, I'm teaching the twins, finishing up on driver's ed right now, if you come through Katie and you see a silver Q5 Audi, go the other way, <laughs> because that may be us. But my point coming back to when we gave her this, I said, okay, you have this phone, but this phone is my phone, and what's in here, let me just tell you, continues to be mine. You know why? Because essentially what I'm handing you is the equivalent to the apple in the Garden of Eden. It has everything in it. And that means there's good and there's a lot of bad. And so protecting our kids from some of those I think is extremely important. I'm sorry, Hager. First of all, thank you so much for visiting us here on Grounds. Always good to be here. I, uh, I want to recognize you for your support of public education over the years, and certainly your work uh, as a controller. Uh, so first of all, that recognition, you've always been a great supporter of uh, public education. I, I don't have a question, but I'd like to send a message, and, and maybe you can carry this message uh, to Austin. Okay. And that really relates to our public school funding. You know, as you know, we haven't had an increase in our basic allotment since uh, 20, 2019. And we were, we had such high hopes with uh, House Bill 100, but that didn't get uh, done, if you will, with regards to districts receiving additional funding. So in Cameron County, I know a number of us, including Brownsville, we're facing a pretty significant budget deficit. And so if you can carry the message of the great need that public schools across Texas have, and, and certainly down here in the Valley as well, uh, we really would appreciate it, uh, but let me end by again thanking you for your support of public education. Absolutely, thank you for that. And you know, one of the things I'll put in context because you know, part of this whole discussion is whether we have education savings accounts, vouchers, or those things. And, and I just want to mention this kind of elephant in the room on, on that discussion is one of the points that I make, regardless of where somebody falls in on that. Of six million kids that are in the education system in Texas of 18 years and younger, 5.4 million of those are where? In the public education space. And so regardless if that legislation passes or not, there's still going to be about 5,390,000. I mean, my point being is this. I don't think the state of Texas can meet the economic opportunities of the future without having the quality public education system. My kids are in it, they thrive in it. You know, not everything is, is for everybody, but the point being is there's no way we can succeed in growing economically if we don't have a quality public education system. That is the vast majority of where kids are taught and they will continue to be for quite some time. So yes, thank you for, for that, thank you for the service. Okay, I see pointing. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I, I feel like a game up here. Uh, I'm looking around going, okay, where's the standing? Yes, yes, it's good to see you again. Surprise. Um, I'm Ramirez City Manager, City of Brownsville. Uh, one of the things that we also believe is a big risk to cities is cybersecurity. Yes. Whether the city of Long Beach, yes. California is hacked or our neighboring cities are hacked. Um, however, local government many times is, is tasked with yes. the support of the state, thank you on creating an affordable, um, diverse equity in broadband. And so the city of Brownsville, with the partnership of 
uh, the, the Public Utility Board created that, and um, we hope to launch very soon, especially this year. And we invite you to really um, the opening of our demo center, which will be March 26th. It'll be great. And that week will not only about be about you know launching this kind of our own center, yes. but also it will be a cybersecurity week. So we'll right. be giving and inviting everybody to really come be educated. And I just thank you for the state's leadership on broadband, but really, and the locals really push where if there's not a problem, let's let's solve it through partnerships. No, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that word, the phrase cybersecurity, because when people ask me, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night? You know, maybe they think, oh, it's A or it's B or it's C. A lot of times people in a room are kind of surprised that the one phrase that I say is called cybersecurity. You know, it, it's that one email that's open. It's that one opportunity that people who, I wish they would just spend their creativity on doing good. If they would just spend it on that. But the point is, is thank you for, for working in that area because that impacts not only state government, local government, but it impacts every size of business. So, you know, thank you for y'all's leadership, without a doubt. Controller, one more question. Okay, one more. I, I was told. Someone had a question? Controller Hagar, Ron Whitlock. Ron Good Whitlock to see you again. Thank you for your time. I've been in Austin talking to you as I yes, indicated sir. for more money for the border for, for broadband. Uh, on the way here to this event today, I anticipated and planned to talk to you about advocating more money for broadband for the border region. However, on the way down, Steve Taylor and I participated in a statewide media conference call by, by Todd Staples talking about oil and gas. He mentioned the fact that 30% of the liquefied natural gas of the nation comes out of Texas, that's a big part of our economy. That's right. And he's very critical of the White House putting those projects and many others on pause. Have you read what the White House has done on the documents of pausing LNG and what impact it had negatively, negatively in your regard uh, for, for the fiscal component of our state and the fact that we have LNG being constructed right here in Brownsville? Yeah, that, it, it does concern me. I'm not sure which of the projects we were visiting earlier, which ones the federal government has put on pause. But the thing that kind of surprises me, that I, I, and I talk about this a fair amount in speeches, one of the things, not to, to bore y'all, but I'll make it real quick because it's the last and everybody's got to get back to work, which I want you to go back to work because if you don't go back to work, then I don't get to continue to collect revenue. So uh, I need you to go back to work. Uh, but, but, but the point real quick is one of the things the legislature asked me several years ago, said, Glenn, you don't have enough to do, so why don't you go out and identify publicly traded financial institutions that are boycotting the oil and gas industry? Sure, that'll be easy. I'll just go buy some product off the shelf somewhere. I'll plug it in my computer and it'll give me a list. Huh. I'm being sarcastic. There is not one. So we created all this time and effort, and here's my point in coming to that. What I learned through that process, and as we keep this list of those entities that are boycotting oil and gas, is the thing that as I've delved into this issue more and more, the point that I continue to make is that we need all electrical sources in Texas, and I'm a big advocate in everything in the basket, much like we do investing. We have to have a complex basket to be able to make that return. But one of those continues to be oil and gas. I make the point, whether you drive an electric vehicle, and if you do, that's great. 
But just know the seat that you sit on is made out of what? A petroleum product. The door that you touch to close is made out of what? A petroleum product. The steering wheel is made out. You're catching on here. The wires are coated. I wouldn't be able to read what's in front of me if I didn't use my glasses. And guess what the lenses are made of? A petroleum product. So the point is this. I'm trying to have a greater honest conversation that there is great needs and we may have them unfortunately in the winter here yet this year in the Northeast and they need to have electricity and there's a whole lot of it right here in Texas. There's a whole lot of it in the Appalachian Mountains. And so we have to embrace all of these different sources and, and I think it's a little short-sighted and also I'm not sure, I don't think it'll necessarily impact the projects here because I think the project has their permits, but as going forward, there's more projects that are wanting to be built here in Texas, whether it's in Brownsville, Corpus, in East, Southeast Texas, and those permits are important because other parts of the world, as we have seen with the Russian aggression of Ukraine, having reliance on Russia doesn't do Western Europe very good. So in four, we can help provide that security, but we've got to be able to ship it across the world to them. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you. I really need you to go back to work so you can do your job so I can do mine. Thank you for letting me be here, and God bless y'all, and God bless you.